you have like a time lapse of Justin's irritation. <laughs> exactly, dude. You can see it if you go through the pictures quick. Hello, I'm Justin. I'm Mark. We're the J-Pops. And we are attempting parenting in Japan. Today, we are going to cover new cars, uh, parental leave, and maternity photos. But first, let's get into the updates. Take it away, Mark. All right. So, Moe had her, I want to say, 24-week checkup. Right now, as of this recording, she's in her 25th week. And so, Mm -hmm. a couple days ago, she went and got that 24-week checkup done. And so far, everything's good. Hmm. Um, On average, they say a baby should weigh between, I think they said 700 and 700 grams and a kilogram. And right now, or 900 grams. And right now, our baby weighs 850 grams. All right. So he's going to be a big boy. Yeah. In addition, they also, they do the measurements when they do the ultrasound. So you'll see them like pause the screen and then the doctor will take a cursor and kind of measure the circumference of the head and the length of the limbs and stuff. And I guess this week she said the, uh, the legs are longer than average for babies in Japan. Hmm. Have you heard, and this is just some like broad speculation on my point, but obviously average height in a Western country like the U S is slightly taller than average height in Japan. Average weight in America is going to be way, way more than the average weight in Japan, which has its own reasons. But I think, um, you know, the people are just generally, well, it's generally true to say that they're bigger. So I wonder if that is evident even at like, say, you know, 30 weeks into a pregnancy or something, if the, if the baby's already showing signs of being a bit bigger. I mean, it is in our baby's case, mine and Moe's. I don't, have you seen your numbers? Um, I haven't heard the comparison. I'll have to get back to everyone on this. Um, we, we know the numbers, but, um, I don't know if they're within the range or at the high end of the range or anything like that. I've done some, some searching for like what, um, like a Japanese baby weight should be at these weeks Mm -hmm. and it's, it's really hard to find anything. So I don't have an answer. Um, all I have is the standard, like what the doctor says when they're in the ultrasound. And so that's all I can go by. Yeah. I've known a couple of kids to be born, um, who were, you know, half Japanese and half some other race, uh, who were in like the 99th percentile on this and that, but you know, I've known kids like that in the U S too, who's just, you know, a white baby born to white parents who happen to be in the 99th percentile for something. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm not really sure how that shakes out, but it would be worth looking into. You know, I've always kind of thought, like, there seems to be a trend of babies and kids getting bigger through the generations, either mm-hmm. to do with more nutrients in food or whatnot. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just like a thing like Japan's nutrients in food is getting so good, like kids are just getting bigger. Yeah, it could be. I've heard this stat, um, like, tossed around that... Uh, in the generation after World War II, I think mm. it was, that uh, the average height went up by six inches. Because, Crazy. Yeah, the country, and this is just, I mean, somebody, everybody will have to fact check me on that. But uh, it's just in Japan that, you know, 
the World War II era was like really lean years and everything was going toward the war effort. And then when peacetime came around, things were just a bit freer and easier and everybody got more to eat and then everybody grew to their full height. And so some of the, um, you know, the old stereotype of Japanese people being short was actually more connected to nutrition in the old days. Right. But um, I mean, it's still there. There are differences in average height still, of course, but it used to be a lot more pronounced and it was just strictly a nutrition thing. But uh, I could be wildly wrong. That's just what I've heard on a few occasions. Well, I'll believe you until somebody proves it wrong. Okay, cool, everybody. <laughs> what uh, about call me out on Twitter. How... Shame. Right. <laughs> what about uh, Ayumi? How, how's she doing? Um, it's all smooth sailing. Uh, one sort of stat, I guess, is that um, she told me just today that she's, uh, you know, like there's a kind of a normal amount of weight to gain when you're pregnant and she is not even in that range. She's like below that range. Oh, really? and, um, it's, uh, and everything's fine. You know, uh, every time we go to get a, uh, an ultrasound or she has an appointment, then everything related to the baby is fine. All the fluid levels are good and measurements are all good. And in the standard range, it's just her weight is, uh, quite a bit below what is average to be gained at this point. Is that just for this this week or is, has that been steadily like below? Um, I guess it's been the case the entire time, uh, but that's the most up-to-date uh, info. And um, yeah, so that's kind of surprising, but um, mm -hmm. we've noticed that when we take a photo or something, sometimes you can't even tell that she's pregnant. <laughs> like if she's oh, got really? like a dark top on or something and uh, it's just not so noticeable. So we've been trying uh, to like find good angles and stuff to actually show off the bump and whatnot. I, uh, I mean, she's definitely pregnant, but uh, you can't see it like in her face or, or anything like that. Yeah, she, she doesn't seem to be showing much in her face. I've, uh, I've heard the opposite from Moe, actually, oh, yeah. when it, about the weight thing. She threw out the whole, she tracks it every day, and then she has that app that shows where she should be. Mm -hmm. And basically, the entire pregnancy, she's been like just above where that average should be. Mm -hmm. only by like i don't know i think it's like half a kilogram or something it's not much yeah but i wonder if they factor in like just the average japan bmi for that mm -hmm. system and then just they can't really tailor it to individuals so much yeah that's a good question i think that um on the specific numbers i think yumi's three or four kilograms below the lowest number on the range Oh, wow. That's yeah. pretty low then. Yeah. So she's kind of an outlier, but um, I don't know what it is. She doesn't uh, do anything in particular, like trying to eat healthy or, you know, doing any like special exercises or anything. It's just how it's shaken out. And uh, my take on it was if you're not feeling hungry for a certain thing, and if the doctor says everything looks fine at your appointments, then we're a-okay. And uh, yeah, may just be some kind of outlier. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They both could be. Yeah. But anyway, that's the update. Uh, she's at 31 weeks. And, um, oh, yeah, baby still hasn't flipped. Still in a bit of a, a breach position. But there's still weeks yet to go that the baby can flip. I think a friend of mine told me that her uh, baby flipped at about 36 weeks or something. Oh, okay. Yeah, so there is time yet. Nice. Cool. Well, those are the updates. It's segment time, buddy. All right. You've got a bunch to talk about this week, don't you? 
Yeah, loads of segments. Uh, first off, we got that car on lockdown. Heck nice. yeah. Um, and I'm just going to pull back the curtain for everybody. Mark and I agreed to record today at 3 p.m. So I think this morning, this afternoon, we were both kind of running around like, oh, I got that 3 p.m. thing. And then uh, <laughs> I thought, oh, I better grab a lunch. Went to a restaurant. Who did I run into? Mark and his wife. Yeah. So we it had was, the same thought. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, me and Yumi ran into Mark and Moe. And then the whole time we were like, oh, we got to get out of here. We got to meet up. <laughs> uh virtually to record the podcast yeah. so um anyway yeah we uh we were out and about and you saw the new car in person not two hours ago i did i'm and, very uh, impressed with it too thank you sir we went with the honda freed it was the much ballyhooed honda freed we talked about it extensively a few episodes ago and worth every penny my friend yeah, best decision like i've ever made honda freed yeah, it looks like a really, really nice car. Yeah, it's so, I mean, part of it is just that we haven't had anything new ever. I think, you know, our previous car was a 2008. We bought it when it was already five years old. So we've never had any, like, luxurious, featureful car before. And uh, this is changing all that. It's just insane. Things like yeah. Bluetooth connection, I didn't know were possible. Like, uh, you know, it won't let you slam into the car in front of you as a safety feature. It won't let you veer out of your lane as a safety feature. It's got Does six it auto brake? It will, yeah. You can turn it on oh, and off, but it's got the crazy. auto brake. Loads of stuff on this car. It's just amazing. And you can feel the weight of it. We talked about this a few days ago. Would it be mm. better in the snow to have the, the K car that's nimble or the, the big van? And you rightly said that you just want weight on your side. You just want to. Yeah push down through the snow and have traction and it's yeah. a totally different experience it's like driving a tank around compared to the k car so yeah we've had snow and it's been good absolutely yeah so that's all been good uh can't recommend it enough and um what i learned at the dealership this was interesting they brought the paperwork out and uh, we were going over it like the title and everything and i noticed in katakana when it said like the the type of car it said station wagon oh really so that car is according to honda a station wagon so Whoa. when you see the freed driving around town which is obviously a minivan know that you're actually looking at a tall station wagon apparently huh so what is the classification then i don't know i don't know what it takes to be a station wagon but this is just obviously a minivan it's got sliding door on both sides it's quite yeah. tall it's got three rows of seats and um, I asked the guy, uh, as my wife was, you know, doing some real important paperwork, um, I asked the, the salesman at Honda, so this is a station wagon, what's, what's the Honda van? Does Honda have a van out there? And um, he was like, ah, oh, yeah, wait just a minute, I'll get a brochure. Comes back with the brochure, and it's for the in van, which is the Honda K-Car van. What? You know, they have the, like the N series, there's the yeah. N1, the N slash, the N box, and then there's the N van, which is like the most vanny of the N series. And I was like, okay, but that's a K car. Don't you have like a van van or a minivan? And he was like, nope, Honda does not make a van. We have no minivan. If you want the van, it's the N van, or we have this station wagon, which is the Freed. So that's crazy. It absolutely blew my mind. Like, I was thinking minivan all the way just on looks, but apparently uh, I'm not driving a minivan. Who knew? Well, we do now. 
yeah but uh so that's it's been cool um another interesting thing about uh about japan really is like you know how things are very professional and then i don't know if you've ever seen this but uh well you must have seen it loads of times when you buy something at a shop and it's you know not the cheapest thing in the world but say you got some new glasses or something then the staff would follow you out to the parking lot and then sort of bow to you as your car drives away or even walk into the street and stop the traffic and help you leave and that sort of thing yeah and it happens in shops where you wouldn't necessarily expect it i mean in america it doesn't happen ever at all no uh so then anything any example of it in japan is shocking to us i think but um i've definitely seen it you know you'll pass by on the road you'll see a lot of staff members in suits and ties bowing to someone who's driving out of the parking lot so obviously with a car purchase that's going to be huge you know they're going to roll out the red carpet and um when we were finalizing the paperwork uh we were seated inside the uh inside the dealership at a little table there and a procession of five people came out and each one of them came over and handed me their business card and gave me like a very formal thank you. And I've never been in the juggling business card scenario before. Right. You know, the business card rules, right? Generally. I have no idea actually. Oh yeah. The classic Japanese thing is you have to take it with two hands. You can't take a business card with one hand. Oh, but oops. You know, <laughs> whoops, Mark flashes back over the last decade of his life, offending everyone. But you have to grab it with like both hands on by the corners and take it. And then the next step is you can't just offhandedly place it somewhere. You have to look at it and you have to read it, you know, like you, you're appreciating the card and absorbing the information. This kind of reminds me of uh, American Psycho, the movie. It, I don't know if you remember yeah. it when when absolutely takes the cards and he's just like drooling over it yeah yeah and so basically you you have to act like that you have to yeah the american psycho business card scene is the bare minimum that you can do in japan it's like what's expected (laughs) and uh you have you you grab it with both hands and then even after you've read it and absorbed it at that point you're still not allowed to like tuck it into a file or you know don't put it in your pocket that's the worst because then it would get all crinkly But you have to take it and then put it on the table and like centered up in the corner of the table for your reference for sort of like the the rest of the proceedings, you know, so are these still going to stay around the table with you? Uh, Well, in this situation, no. Okay. But I think in another business situation, you might be sitting down to a meeting where you're going to talk to them for an hour. And then I get it's probably more or less just a sign of respect. I guess it's practical in some sense because you can refer back to their position or their name or whatever. But um, more just you're respecting them and respecting their card by like uh, displaying it on the table next to you. Like you're not just offhandedly tucking it away somewhere. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I've been aware of that since I've been here, but I've never gotten five cards back to back to back to back to back like that before. And it was an intense challenge for me. So I took each one double handed and then I absorbed it and then I laid it on the table and then I got the next one, did the same thing. And I made a nice little pattern of cards in the corner and I bowed to everyone and gave them a a proper kind of a, kind of a sentence. 
And um, yeah, so that was kind of interesting. But we got like the head of the dealership. We got another manager. We got a customer service rep. We got the guy who sold us the thing. We got the staff at the wow. front desk. They all came over. They handed us a box of cookies. Everybody gave us a card. And it was like a really big procession we to get the cookies. car. We only get tissue. What? You got ripped I guess off. Man. We go to bad dealerships. Yeah, bad dealerships, man. You got to step your game up, get those cookies. That's they fair. did. They were flaunting some beer right at the entrance, and I thought we might get uh, some beer, but I guess they saw the, you know, my wife was pregnant, and they thought best give them the cookies. Maybe there's like a tier of like how much you spent, you get the better gift. Yeah. You we never spend like... that much, so we're just tich- tissue level. Yeah, you need to step up your car game a little bit. You probably have to spend like 40 large to get the beer or something. We were so. just like a mid-tier cookie family. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that was fun. And the car is wonderful. It's just, it's unbelievable. It's a whole new world when you jump into something like that technologically different than what you're used to. Mm. Um, I was thinking about this today. I was wearing a sweatshirt and I was like, you know, fundamentally, there's no difference in this sweatshirt and a sweatshirt produced in 1970. You know, it's the same basic thing. Yeah. But if you bought a car with 1970 features, you would be disgusted by that car. That would be, it would be awful, you know, yeah. compared to what's available on the market. Yeah. The standards have definitely been raised. And I think uh, legally the standards have been raised. <laughs> exactly. That 1970 car is not even roadworthy anymore. Maybe not, especially not in Japan. I've always heard that's the thing about fashion is that fashion's the hardest industry because there's no advancements left to be made. It's like, yeah. uh, what can we dupe people into believing is good this year? You know, yeah. that's the whole fashion game. But cars, like there's so many advancements that actually do something for you. And it's just impressive to drive around with them. Yeah. So big fan. Tried out the baby seats and, you know, cars these days have the little anchor points and you True. can really lock in a base and then your baby seats uh, the car seat rather locks into that base tried it all out it all works so the freed is passing all the tests it's good that's good to hear that's good to hear because i'm i'm thinking about getting the same car seat as you so i'm glad yeah it works well and everything is functioning as it should do both of your vehicles have the the little anchor points they do yeah that must be standard these days huh uh my truck is old um God, how old is my truck? 2005, I think. Oh, yeah? And it's got them? And it's still got them. So at least from the aughts up, they're standard. Mm, that's good stuff. I think our um, child seat can be belted in. It's got all the uh, attachments and whatnot to lock down onto a seat belt and be safe that way. Yours comes with the base and then the seat, the car seat itself detaches. But mm-hmm. if you're just taking it into a car without the base, you can just hook that up with the belt, right? I think so. I know I think... the the base as well can be belted in. Oh, so okay. I don't know if the seat can be belted. I haven't looked into it that much, but it. I think it's versatile. Okay. Yeah. This is the uh, Joy car seats, like J O I E. I don't know how is you say it. Is that how you say it? I would just say Joy. I don't know. I've been saying jo- Joey. Joey. Joey could be good. Isn't that how the French spell the word Joy? And in that case, it's Joie. If I may be a breathy Frenchman for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We're pissing off our French listener right now. Oh, God, no. <laughs> the whole France sector is crumbling. Oh, that's not good. 
All right. So, well, we'll have to make amends to them also on Twitter. Look for our French language apology, everybody. Yeah. Um, but that's all for the new car update. Very happy with the freed. And um, nice. let's talk about uh, parental leave. I think this is the big meaty topic today. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm actually really interested how this is working out because you guys are the first to, to take it and Ayumi's on it, right? Yeah, um, as of this recording, she had her last day of work uh, just a couple of days ago. So she nice. is um, she is out for 2022. She Very is done working. So that's good news. Um, is Moe planning to take the same amount of leave? Is she going to do the full year? Yeah, yeah, we're definitely planning to and take that. Yeah. I think it's like a month or month and a half before the actual pregnancy. Yeah. Um, and then uh, on my end, I work for a Japanese company, which of course needs to follow Japanese laws and the parental leave extends to the fathers. So um, what is available to the mothers in Japan is essentially in the same way available to the fathers. So I'll be doing that too, but um, a little bit offset from my wife's starting and ending date. Mine will be a bit pushed back from that. But yeah, I'll also do the one-year parental leave. And have you, uh, you're still waiting, right, to get to the bottom of it with your company? Yeah, I haven't reached out yet because ours is still kind of three months out. So I was going to wait till mm-hmm. the new year. But from my understanding is in America, you get 12 weeks. And I think my company gives another few weeks on top of that. So uh, it should be about four months that I'll get. Very nice. Yeah. Um, well, the Japanese system is, um, it's interesting. It's I think we've said before, it's considered to be the most generous in the world yeah. uh, in terms of childcare leave. And um, I chalk all that up to um, Japan's primary concern being the falling birth rate right. and then sort of any policy they can enact to uh, encourage people to have kids. Uh, I, I think they tend to enact it. And this is one of those, you know, give a generous uh, childcare leave. So um, I guess just the nuts and bolts of it are that... Um, it, you're looking at a year fundamentally. And the way the year breaks down is that the first six months are paid at 67% of your salary. There are obviously caps on this. So if you're making 50 million a year, they're not going to pay you two thirds right. of that, but uh, within the realm of what like 99% of people are making. So uh, for the first six months, you get uh, 67% of your salary. And then for the second six months, you drop down to 50% of your salary and then your one year is up and you're back to work. So you get a two thirds followed by a half. And um, in the case of the mother, this is where it differentiates a little bit. And in Japanese, they tend to call it mama leave and papa leave. So all my paperwork has mama or papa next to all these graphs and charts and things. Um, The mother can leave, as you were saying a bit before, obviously the due date, you want to have Mm -hmm. that time leading up to the due date to be off. And uh, this is what depends on the type of job you have. Like if you're a civil servant versus if you work in just a regular company or something, or if your company has like, you know, slightly more uh, generous, like, you know, lead up to the birth leave, then you'll, you can get up to like, say eight weeks or something. It could be more like four weeks, six weeks, something in that range. So, um, you, yeah, the, the mother can get off say a month and a half on average ahead of time. And, uh, then as of the due date, that's what starts your one year timer. So 
the mother would then get, say, like a month and a half or two months or something uh, ahead of the due date, and then she gets the one-year additional. Uh, and the papa leave only kicks in on the due date, so you can't, you know, get out any earlier. If the baby happens to be born early, you can do all the paperwork to be off starting on the due date, and then you can just leave. You know, you'd have to explain this to everyone at your company, but you are allowed to leave, say, baby's born a month early. You can go at that time. You just have to redo all your paperwork, and your company just has to handle it. Gotcha. So uh, it's not totally, like, even though you filled out the paperwork, it's not off the table to then change it after the fact. That's good. And uh, father is exactly the same. It's the six months at 67%, six months at 50%. And um, you get, uh, yeah, the one year. Uh, so what's interesting is the father can start this at any point. It doesn't have to be the due date of the of the pregnancy. You know, it doesn't have to start on that day. Oh. You could delay it for a couple of months. And if you do that, then you still get the one year and in that way, you've got more cumulative childcare time. Say the yeah. mother's there for the first one year of the child's life, and then you delay a bit, and then you could have a parent home with the child until you know a year and two months, a year and three months. You can could offset you it in that way. A year? Um, I think the limit. Oh, did I just say three months? The limit is two months of delay. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, at that max. Does help, yeah. So you could get that kind of extended window there. So at max, the father could start taking off when the kid's two months old and then go to a year, two months, and uh, you get 14 months of coverage then away from um, you know, the work and you're able to take care of the kids. You can also extend those times if you can't find childcare. So mm-hmm. imagine you're in an area and all of the daycares are full, then that's kind of an extenuating circumstance. You could at that point, um, you have to supply uh, daycare rejection letters and apply for extended time but once you've done that and saying like we want this daycare they won't have us then uh you can take off additional months but uh that you're really milking it then you know you're going for it i know tokyo is pretty cutthroat when it comes to daycares and stuff i've heard a lot of people complain who have kids over there that it's really hard to get into one and once you do like you never leave yeah Um, i'm sure you know if kanazawa is similar it's been my experience that there is daycare available in Kanazawa, um, but you know we've only looked in our one area. I don't know if like downtown, if you had a house right in the middle of everything, if it would be as easy. Right. Um, we're a little bit on the edge of town, so um, it's it's fine here, and we're not even contemplating like you know extending the time because we know that the daycare will be there for us. Right. So um, yeah, well, we we are not looking into it in that way. But that's how it shakes out with the parental leave. Um, Another couple of things is, uh, you know, some people might think like, well, it's great to have the one year, but I don't know if I can survive on two thirds of my salary and then half of my salary, you know, for that long, if you're a bit more paycheck to paycheck. But there are some other things to consider, like during that time, your um, health insurance payments are suspended. So. Yeah, so it's not just the two-thirds half. It's like the two-thirds and the half plus, you know, you're getting subsidies from the government for the child, him or herself, and things like healthcare are suspended. So it's actually quite a lot better than the 67 and the 50%. Wow, for both of you. Uh, I think so, yeah. For anyone who's on childcare leave, I think they suspend that sort of thing. Interesting. 
Yeah. This is so, going to be really complicated when I go to look into it then. Yes, it will be. Oh, so much bureaucracy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, luckily, we have Japanese-speaking wives, and they can take care of it. So, erigato gozaimasu to our Japanese-speaking wives who we'll have to wait yeah. through all this red tape. Yeah. Lucky hmm. for us, I should say. But, yeah, that's how that goes, and it's it's very generous. And I think the thing that I always ask about these things is like, there has to be an upper limit to this sort of thing. Like you obviously can't say like, Oh, childcare leave. We'll give you 18 years. You know, like no society can exist if they were offering you like that extensive amount of time. And then there are places like, um, in the U S where I don't know if I I think nothing is federally guaranteed in the United States. So you have to be either in a good state or you have to work for a good company that has a nice policy. And if neither of those things are true, then you could be kind of high and dry. I remember working when I worked, you know, part-time job in Kentucky many, many years ago, somebody would be pregnant and then there was no system for uh, like leaving at a certain time before the due date. And there would be, you know, I worked in a supermarket, there would be a, a pregnant employee who's in their eighth month and, you know, arguing to try and get a stool to sit at instead of standing at the cash register. And going back and forth about that kind of thing. So there are no guarantees. It's the Wild West in a lot of places. And so that's obviously undesirable. But on the flip side, it's like one year is pretty extensive. A year sounds like a long time. But I know when it comes to like a newborn that that year is going to go by pretty quick. Yeah, it definitely will. And I am more than happy to take Japan up on the offer. And I will do the one year. But Japan is the outlier in this case. You know, no other country is doing it. Well, there may be other countries that are, you know, offering something similar. I've just always heard Japan's kind of the best. Uh, So I assume there's no other, like, combination of, like, the money and the discounts and the subsidies and the time and all that together appears to be the best. So we're way in outlier territory over here. Yeah. And, um I wonder, I mean, this is like obviously policy level stuff that's impossible to come down on one side or the other of, but I feel like it's even too generous. Like if they shaded it back and said eight months, I would be like, oh, eight months. Awesome. You know, I would be very enthusiastic about that. Let's hope they never listen to this podcast. Yeah, let's hope that this doesn't make it up the ranks of the diet. Uh, Maybe we'll Uh, get diet members later in our run. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, do you feel this way? Maybe it's just the American in me saying, like, get back to work. I mean, but, um, yeah, from the American standpoint, like, I definitely think, like, the amount of time they give. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, they reduce your benefits so much that you're almost dying to go back to work after that six months for a lot of people. Yeah, especially it'll be nice when to it get goes the... down to 50%. Like, I don't know many people, especially in Japan's income, who could mm-hmm. survive on that. Yeah, if you're in Tokyo as well and you're just yeah. getting by on your expensive apartment, then it's yeah. not really an option. Yeah, and it's not like they pay great for a lot of jobs here. So I think the average income in in Japan is like would be the equivalent of like 40000 a year. Mm-hmm. And then to cut that in half would not be sustainable and then add another kid. Uh, or add another mouth to feed onto that. So Yeah. So I guess a lot of people are priced out of the equation. And yeah, I think that that's why they do it. So they think like, 
all right, well, we'll drop, drop it to 50%, but we'll still give them another six months and hope those people just willingly go back to work. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've talked about it before, but Japan, like, allegedly, I've read this in articles in the past couple of years, uh, Japanese men take up Japan on this parental leave offer at a rate of 7%. So seven yeah. percent of fathers actually make use of this leave, and it's a little bit of a, it's another thing that I thought like, well, if only seven percent of people are taking them up on it, maybe that's how the system survives. Because mm. if that number jumped to a hundred, maybe it would suddenly become unsustainable. Like we can't lose this many employees for this amount of time and pay them this much in benefits. Yeah. Maybe that's untenable. But it's just the fact that nobody actually does it. They can keep it on the books as like a nice, attractive thing that they don't often have to make good on. Yeah. And it, yeah, so, you're definitely an outlier in that you're willing to take the full year. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Sure. I don't know many Japanese fathers who, well, I don't know any who've taken a full year off. I know a few of them who've taken some time off, but I've never heard of, of them taking a full year. Yeah, you got to be uniquely selfish to get in there and use it. So American. Yeah, you got to be American. That's that's the 7%. 7% are all Americans. Um, yeah, so that's been kind of rattling around in my mind. It's kind of like, um, it reminds me of like, you know, open container laws in Japan. They don't exist. You can get in a car with an open beer and you can drink the beer as a passenger, obviously. Right. You can drink the beer going down the road. In America, you can't have an open container like that right. in the car. I guess that's all 50 states. I'm not sure. But uh, as far as I know, you're not allowed to have the open container. So it's one of those things that in Japan, it hasn't been a problem, apparently. And so or it hasn't been enough of a problem to then legislate about. And uh, like problems could arise. It could be that everyone goes out and takes advantage of this and pushes it to the max and then, you know, you get into this territory of you see more drunk drivers because there are all these open containers and people feel a bit looser about it or something. Uh, I don't think that would happen, but um, it's just that with the childcare leave thing, it's that it's not an issue. People just naturally aren't doing it. And therefore we can leave the law as is. So yeah, I think, sense. I think that's kind of how it goes. Um, I'm grateful for it. Uh, and I do feel like sometimes as a foreign person in Japan, you're kind of working in the margins of systems um, because the system is designed for, say, 7% of right. uh, you know dads who want to uh, take them up on it. And then we come in like, oh, there's a, a system that's advantageous to me. Yeah, for sure I'll do it. It's not even a question. And yeah. it's not really designed for us. But then we can get in there and make use of it. But anyhow, I am uh, very grateful for it and will definitely be... Uh, be using it and i had a friend tell me uh, he was like yeah don't forget that it's parental leave because you have to do parenting you will be busy the entire time yeah with um you know taking care of your kids so it is like there are responsibilities that come along with it for sure yeah definitely all right so that's the that's the parental leave wrap up i think uh, you know my wife's uh due date is february 25th so as of now i'm slated to take off february 25th and get the one year that'll be good and as a teacher that slots in perfectly with the japanese semester system 
Yeah, isn't that close to end of the year? Yeah, just after it. So, you know, school in Japan starts April 1st or thereabouts sometime in the first week of April. And um, school at a college would wrap up sort of toward the end of January, maybe the early days of February. So oh, okay. I'll be able to get the grades in, duck out, whole year goes by, nobody even notices I was gone, and then I slide right back in <laughs> in 2023. Let's so I'm looking hope. forward to that. Yeah, let's hope. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Nice. All right, so parental leave done. Uh, how about one more topic? This is maternity photos. Um, have you and Moe contemplated or set a date for getting some maternity photos professionally taken? We contemplated it, but we have nothing set up. And no, I mean, I think Moe has a slight interest in doing it only because I know she knows that Ayumi was planning on it and did it. Mm-hmm. But other than that, no. We, How did yours go? Oh, yeah. We got that under our belts uh, about a week ago. Um, we nice. went down. We found a guy a little bit, um, you know, he wasn't in the Yellow Pages. He was, you had to go. <laughs> Do the Yellow Pages still exist? In Japan. Yeah. And yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's very analog here. Um, and uh, yeah, we found a guy who's a little bit off the beaten path. And he was like a youngish cool guy who has a lot of equipment and he built his house to have a photo studio with a separate entrance and everything and uh, that's kind of his deal um and it was pretty cool uh but i don't know if this is japan wide my only experience really i guess i've been in a few you know photo studios for pictures for this and that over the years but mostly i think back to when i was a kid and you had picture day or family photos or whatever it was Right. And the photographer would walk up to you and with both hands adjust your head and then like <laughs> grab your chin and push it over to the side and say like tilt, tilt. Okay, this is perfect. Do not move. And then walk back to the camera and take your photo, you know, and even like pull on your clothes and straighten your jacket and stuff so that you know you're getting the best shot at it. Right. So um, I am like, I, I want a photographer who's a take charge kind of person and who just molds me and tells me exactly what to do gotcha. and this guy was not that guy this guy was a little bit loose a little bit like dancing around with the camera just snapping shots and like oh that looks good yeah oh cool all right oh very nice great 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 and it's like yeah but do i look like an idiot like is my head <laughs> he's like, like he's got the camera he's like oh talk dirty all right all right yeah, exactly yeah 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 <laughs> make me love it now make me hate it and he's just like snapping photos like wild and um i think we're gonna get by though because on volume there should be some good ones in there he took i don't know how many hundreds of photos nice but and then he you know gave us access to all the the data but uh it was just i was thinking you know how sometimes you take a photo and you're like oh yeah my head's at this crazy angle and i didn't know because i don't know what it looks like or i'm standing and i'm leaning like five degrees in some crazy direction hmm and he was not telling us that whatsoever. Oh. And that annoyed me a lot. Interesting. We were there for like an hour and a half. And I was like, this is all just wasted money. If we look stupid, right. we're not going to be able to use these photos. So um, then like my kind of my frustration and my <laughs> wanting to take charge got the better of me. And I just kind of went into like the, okay, just a minute. And then I would like sort of. Like they did some of a Yumi by herself and I would go up and I would sort of 
you know, try to move her hair around, <laughs> like <laughs> fix her hair, get a little fly away, <laughs> knock that down. Or if the sleeve was a bit twisted or bunched up, like, okay, good, good. And then I would back off and then I would go up and kind of like move a Yumi around. Or if I was in the photo, I would like, he would take it and then I would lean like a degree and he would take the next one. And I would lean another degree and he would take it. And I was actively trying to cover all of the bases, like tilting my head this way a little, tilting my head that way a little, leaning, leaning. And you have like oh, a smile lapse of Justin's irritation. <laughs> exactly, dude. You can look at it. You can see it if you go through the pictures quick. It's like hand uh -oh. like goes like in the pocket, thumb out, fingers out, on the hip, like, you know, trying every possible combination, hoping nice. that one of them is good. Nice. And uh, this was this was the chaos of the photo session. And um, it's one of those awkward things because you don't want to be a full on like you don't want to have a heart to heart with the guy. You want to keep it light, you know, and yeah. just get the photos done. Fun. Yeah. But you don't want to just fire off and say like come on dude like change your whole personality now please you can't really do that so um that was a bit of an odd one but anyway i think we got enough photos out of it in the end and i don't know if other photographers you know this guy was a bit cool and so maybe that's why he wasn't in there and being so intricate or like you know taking such control of it interesting i don't know i don't have much experience with photographers I did a video shoot once at a, uh, a hotel in Kanazawa, and the that video sounds crew... like pornography. Go ahead. Nope. 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll uh, agree to disagree. Fine. Uh, no. So the video crew that was doing that shoot, I think, was equally hands off in telling the, I guess, the actors at that point what to do and what not to do. They were just kind of like act normal is kind mm -hmm. of how they said it, and we we're just mm -hmm. like what. The what does that mean? Yeah. And it was like in this like hotel suite and there's like a kitchen and I just start like picking up a knife, like I'm cutting something and <laughs> it was all very, very weird. Yeah. So I, I understand your, your frustration. Yeah. I don't want to drag all of Japanese media through the mud here, but I have a, I have a good friend who, uh, makes things in a professional capacity. He'll film commercials and things of that nature. And uh, he was filming, this has been 10 years ago now, but he was filming commercials in Thailand. Hmm. And he's he's American, but he had a job to do in Thailand. So he likes Japan and he knows a few people in Japan. So on that Thailand job, he would stop off in Tokyo for like a week of vacation on his way back to the United States. And um, so he's like the guy that I know who's the most professionally in that world. And uh, okay. I was, I remember talking to him and um, he was saying like, wow, Japanese television is mind blowing. Huh. Like how every show sort of has, you know, like picture in picture, this face of a reaction, this face uh, of a reaction. Then there's text at the bottom, text at the top, text on the side, everything's animated. Dude, and yeah. then there's also, there's no difference in the lighting of the, the foreground and the background. It's like, yeah, make the background as eye-catching as you possibly can and as bright and colorful. Yeah. And uh, then you've got someone who you're supposed to be watching standing in front of that who's also bright and colorful and in focus. You know, everything's in focus and bright and trying to catch your attention. And like yeah. the average show in the evening is like walking through a pachinko parlor. It's just, you know, full-on sensory overload to me. It's, it's not just Japanese TV, though. It's Japanese... I think media in general, if you go to any website, like anytime anybody's going to Rakuten, they're like, what am I buying? Yeah, and they really pack a lot into everything. 
yeah. uh, whether it's the, the screen of the website, you'll see 30 different things instead of the one thing that you should be looking at. And I mean, obviously it works and it's probably just something that we're not attuned to based on how we were raised. Um, I feel like that's one of those things that the market would sort out. Like if some company did a better website and it worked better, then everyone would do it and it would just, it would happen, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I feel, do you know, uh, you know, Marie Kondo, right? Yeah. I think I, I talked talk to you about this before. She has a U.S. Uh, YouTube page and a Japanese YouTube page, and they are drastically different. Mm-hmm. Like the thumbnails they use for each one in each country is completely opposite the other one. Like the American yeah. or like the Western one is just kind of clean. There's just like a title in the screen. There's really nothing going on with the image. And then the Japanese one is just color overload, bubbly letters, Marie Kondo's face just like lit up somehow. And it's Mm -hmm. just kind of, they're drastically different. Yeah. It's definitely a more is more philosophy in Japan on the entertainment. And maybe the theory is that it's just eye catching. Yeah. And it's maybe the same concept as like, whatever you bought, we'll put it in a little box and put that in a bag and put that bag in another bag and tape it up. And here you go. And that sort of thing is just, we're showing you as much as we possibly can to so show that we put in the effort. They're trying to put TV shows into plastic wrap for you. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. Into doing it. Okay. Colorful wrap for sure. And um, maybe that's what's going on. Uh, but yeah, I think in the U S they want it more controlled, more like, I want you to look at the thing I want you to look at, you know? Right. So they'll, they'll gear everything in that way. Japan is just like, here's everything, everybody. And they just max it all out. And it's, it's quite in your face. Yeah. But uh, there are deep cultural reasons for this. I'm sure that, uh, that I don't know about. Maybe. I think we kind of got off topic there because we were talking about a photographer doing wedding photos and somehow we started (laughs) complaining about Japanese media. Yeah. (laughs) Man, we're, uh, this we're is... stepping on Bobby Judo's toes a little bit, I think. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I was going to say, with our opinionated rants, we're going to get picked up by the Fox News podcasting outlet, whatever that is, and uh, we're going to get on you know, serious radio or something. And I have our own, great. like, yeah, we can rant about stuff. It'd be wonderful. Well, I think that's done it for our segments, and... Um, We've got my question for you is, as usual, I believe you are the questioner today. I do. I do have a a question for you today. Um, It's kind of a two-part question. What are you most concerned about and least concerned about having a baby in Japan? Good question. Uh, For me, um, the immediate concern is how cold and drafty and ill-suited my house is for human life. And so you've got to bring a young baby. And they're known to be temperamental young babies. Yes, they, they are. cry about things. They need, yeah, they need to be comfortable. And, uh, yeah, so it's like if it's just absolutely freezing in my house, you know, my wife and I can deal with it. Like we lay in bed and we see our breath. Like it's that kind of situation. But then the baby, I feel like things do need to be comfortable. So that's my big worry is that we won't be able to find the balance in the house. Like you've got the air conditioner, which then dries out the air. If you want it warm, you're going to have a sore throat all the time. And then like, you know, are we just compounding problems by bringing a baby into this crazy, like climate uncontrolled chaos that we have here in the house? 
So initially, right out of the gate, that's my big concern, that this baby's always going to be too cold, always going to be too hot, air is going to be too dry, and but that's, you know, that's Japanese living in a 60-year-old house. That's how mm. it goes. So that's that's big concern number one for me. Yeah. I mean, beyond the the ones that go without saying, like health and, and that sort of thing. But um, how about you? Do you have a number one concern? Um, I think my number one concern is getting English proficiency good mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just for your, for yourself you mean for myself yeah <laughs> <laughs> being able to talk <laughs> and continue a podcast no just uh, you know there's a lot of fear like you keep hearing some horror stories where people are like yeah I started talking to my kid in Japanese and now they only talk to me in Japanese or mm-hmm. you know they just they prefer to talk to Japanese so every time I talk to them they just speak to me in Japanese and mm-hmm. so that's kind of that's kind of my only concern right now yeah hopefully um you know our own like sort of lack of ability could come into our favor in this one because there will be moments when the child at five wants something and it's like man I just can't understand you you're gonna have to meet me halfway on this thing yeah so that might force their hand a little bit to keep exercising the language. Yeah, I think that's what will happen. Yeah. Because I don't see my Japanese improving very much. Yeah, yeah. That's, um, oh, that is a brick wall for sure. But um, I think it'll get there. I mean, there's a lot of uh, foreign community, which this will be years in the future. And, you know, coronavirus will be somewhat in the rearview mirror. We'll have totally different viruses that we're thinking about at that time. Um, But maybe society will be a bit more open. And then I think the, um, uh, the foreign kids tend to hang out and, you know, foreign parents would tend to hang out to make those kids hang out. But then I guess they're bilingual anyway, they could just default to Japanese in that case. So that's no guarantee. But I think that generally as time goes by and things open up a bit, there'll be more interaction with other English speakers available uh, to the kids. So hopefully that'll work. Yeah. I hope so. Uh, But yeah, I was thinking about it in a much darker way. (laughs) What if, what if I just pass away? You know, 50, 50 chance of that any given day. What if I'm just gone? What if I think about that all the time? You always hear a story about somebody who's like 38, 37, who just passed away. And you're like, I'm already past that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, I know I'm not healthy or like (laughs) good at anything. Like, you know. (laughs) Like nobody ever says like, Oh, strong as an ox, that guy. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a, a daily concern, but then there wouldn't be that pressure. Like there's nobody in the house who just doesn't understand when I speak Japanese for the kid, you know? Right. And, uh, then I'm thinking like, how would this kid communicate with my parents and brothers and sisters going mm. forward? There'd have to be a lot of emphasis put on English in that case. Yeah. So if nothing else, we have to remain alive to get the kid up to speed (laughs) on the language. And then we can, you know, drift off, say, eight, nine years from now. That's the goal. (laughs) He's got Um, a hard out. Yeah. yeah, I've got a hard out. Eight year hard out. Got that. Uh, Well, what about the thing you're not worried about? It's one of those, like, What's it's like asking about a negative? It's hard for me to think of something I'm yeah. not worried about because I'm I not worried what about are you, it. What so are not you excited about, about then? Not least Ooh. concern. 
but excited. Ooh, good question. I really admire my sister who has a child who's one year and two months, one year and three months or something. Okay. And my sister's got, I don't know, animals in the house, a dog and a cat or two. And so this kid's like, you know, always mixing it up with these animals. My sister will take the kid over to the grandparents, to the other grandparents. Um, Mm. She wanted to go to a a festival, like a music festival, uh, when the kid was about one thereabouts, maybe even a bit before the kid turned one. And she went and she spent a week at this music festival. And I think that is the healthiest thing for the child to then sort of get used to this grandparent for days at a time, get used to that grandparent, have the dogs, have the cats, and just like get all this exposure to all the types of interaction that you can have yeah and uh every time i've never met this child because of coronavirus i haven't been able to travel back but every time i see this kid in videos or a chat or whatever he's the most well-adjusted little boy and he's cool with everybody and doesn't have separation anxiety and he's just like such a great kid and i think it's because my sister has the confidence to Mm. sort of and you know oftentimes a parent would also want to be there 24 hours a day but she um it's not like she's being dismissive or flippant or anything either. She said it's like, you know, she agonizes over it, but she does feel that it's good to give the kid time with the grandparents and so on. Like, yeah. you know, for a few days here and there. And um, I feel like that's such a good thing. So I'm looking forward to trying to get my kid out in the world and having him mix it up, you know, from day one. Nice. And something I want to do and something I want to see the kid react to and then hopefully get better at as time goes by. Um, because I think it just seems healthy. It seems like a good way to start off your life to get used to that kind of thing. I think that's almost harder in Japan, though, where typically, at least from my understanding, like extended family don't watch kids as much as they do in America. Yeah, I don't think it is as normal. I mean, there are more multi-generation households, which is a bit of a different thing. But yeah, there's certainly not a babysitting culture here, and um, it's a bit harder to to get away. But you you can make it happen. I was going to ask, do you think Ayumi's parents will watch the baby at some point? Yeah, I think they are all about it. I think they're oh. gung-ho for it. Yeah. and Even um, like overnights and stuff? Uh, It remains to be seen, but I bet they would. Um, my wife's mother is like very excited about the whole thing. And, nice. Um, she's been looking forward to grandkids for, you know, like a decade We've been married for 11 years, so she's, like, from the very beginning, she's always been hoping for the grandkids. She's like, about time, you two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She was probably a little nervous, like, ooh. Nice. Getting a bit... I think that's a good situation, then. Because yeah. I've got friends in America who their kids have, like, a, a standing night at the grandparents' house. I think it's, like, once mm-hmm. a month or something. They're like, okay, yeah. grand, grandma, grandpa time. Yeah, that kind of stuff has to be good, yeah. you know? It's you good get, for like, everyone. A, and the kid gets a different spin on like what a kind of authority figure can be in their life. And, you know, just a, the, the subtle ways in which life will be different at someone else's house and the different rules and, you know, the different way to do things. It's got to expand your mind a little bit and just get you comfortable with yeah. uh, getting out of your routine. Do you do you know if staying the night at friends' houses is a thing in Japan? I think it happens. Um, I've heard of uh, my wife is she has a good core group of friends from her childhood and i'll see photos sometimes of them you know doing a from her childhood like uh, pictures Mm. of a sleepover or something so i don't think it's maybe as common as the u.s but um 
I know it's a thing for sure. That's good. So uh, that's another little opportunity there. But mm. um, yeah, I'm also, I've always thought it would be nice uh, for someone in America, like I've got a niece and a nephew now uh, who are just babies, but in the future, if they wanted to send me one of those niece or nephew and just say like, yeah, you're going to live in Japan for a month, go over. And uh, I would love to take a kid like that and, you know, like just mix it up. Man, that's a that's a big responsibility. Yeah, I would t- I would take it. It would be so crazy, <laughs> and it would be like so mind blowing for the kid, you know. For um, sure. So, I'm all about that kind of thing. Ship the kids out, give them a little something else to do, <laughs> and uh, I think it's healthy. So, uh, yeah, that's my something I'm looking forward to. Do you have a thing you're looking forward to most, or something yeah. you're not anxious about that other people are? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm just in general just excited to have a kid regardless of Japan or America. So I think that's yeah. my answer ultimately is just come on out already. Yeah. You've got a million changes to look forward to. So yeah, no sense in getting overly excited about any one of those. Cause there'll be another one hot on its heels. Right. Um, I've got one more concrete thing that I'm not anxious about. Not and, anxious. Uh, okay. Yeah. And I might be signing my own death warrant with this one, but okay. it's, a lot of people say, like, oh, you won't believe the amount of sleep that you're not getting. <laughs> like, when oh. you realize, well, I've got two hours of sleep and I just got to trudge through this day, you know, and then it's like, oh, I woke up six times last night and that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm a night owl and I'm like, oh, I get an excuse to like get up at four and go downstairs. Like, that'll be fun. And I'm just really <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, we hmm. have the experience. We were we were partying it up. Yeah, I think we can reveal. Yeah, yeah. and um, I just get every single night. I get a second wind about midnight to one a.m. and I'm just max energy. That's my high. That's my peak of the day. It's like one yeah. a.m. It like, was let's almost go, like you let's turned, watch a movie. It was almost like you turned a switch. Like we were in the middle yeah. of a board game. We were all sitting around the table, and then Justin's like, "I'm gonna grab another beer." All right, let's keep going. <laughs> yeah and i'm just like holy crap it's one o'clock this guy's like did i give him caffeine (laughs) yeah let's light this candle but i don't know what it is i can be exhausted all day and then i'm even winding down at night and then like 1 a.m hits and i'm like no 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 there's more to do and i just (laughs) it just kicks on so i'm just like i don't know i'm predisposed to be nocturnal or something and i feel like that's right up my alley if there's yeah. a kid to take care of at night. I mean, I could probably get through like two nights in a row of it and then I'll crash absolutely and have the horrible experience. Maybe. But um, I've always been the type to just never want to go to sleep and stay up through the night. And uh, so I think it might suit me to have the kid to take care of while I'm doing that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a night owl, but I'm a very short sleeper. I think on average mm-hmm. I get about five and a half hours a night. Oh, yeah. And only occasionally, like maybe every other day, will I take a nap during the day. So I usually don't sleep that much. And I'm, I'm typically up twice a night anyway. So I'm, yeah. I'm not concerned in the slightest about losing sleep. I say this now. Yeah. And it's probably going to come back and bite me later. Yeah. We will regret this. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure of it. Yeah. But now it's looking rosy to me. Yeah, me too. Well, let's uh, let's get into our Japanese of the day. Yeah, I'm really interested to hear about your your update. Yeah, Japanese of the day today is not a word, but it's a revisiting the JLPT, which we complained about here 
two or three episodes back. I can't remember, but I personally two had the worst three episodes back. Yeah, probably it's its own segment at this point. <laughs> um, I had the worst experience conceivable with the JLPT. I mean, that's overstating it, but um, it was pretty bad and it was kind of inexcusable, I think. So um, I wanted to make an official complaint. Something about the JLPT is if you want to complain, they don't accept emails for that purpose. You have to call. <laughs> they want to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I don't know what that means in terms of calling up and speaking English because they're not like on the hook to understand your English. They're the JLPT, right. like right. they're specifically Japanese speakers. And furthermore, like, do they have somebody for Vietnamese, somebody for Korean? Like, you know, most of the people taking this test are not English speakers, but from another Southeastern Asian country. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they need to or if they feel obligated to take calls in all these various languages. So I wrote out my complaint in letter form. And then um, I handed that over to my wife to read it, to get the points one by one. And then she called and complained in Japanese. And she was on the phone with them for 40 minutes, wow. she tells me. And um, she put them through their paces and said it was inexcusable. Uh, I mean, the, the long and short of it was we were in uh, like an arena-sized space and the audio was from these big PA speakers everywhere and it was just echoey and horrible and impossible to understand. Right. And that was not just me saying that, but I heard it from other people as well. And to me, they failed. Like, I didn't right. fail the JLPT. The JLPT failed me is right. what happened on this one. And they didn't put together an adequate test. It's biased. I mean, you can't just offer it in a way like, oh, yeah, at that center, they could understand the listening at this center. They couldn't. And so you don't get a fair test out of it. And um, my wife explained all this to them. And then they said, well, you know, you should have or your husband should have complained at the time, which is obviously a nonsense argument. Yeah. Um, and my wife explained this to them as well. One, um, he can't speak Japanese. That's why he's taking the JLPT right. at like an intermediate level. So first of all, he doesn't recognize the moment when you tell them complain at this moment if you have a question because I don't know what they're saying. So yeah. just I couldn't do it. And then secondly, um, if I had complained at the time, what do they do to address my complaint? My complaint is this is not intelligible. So then do they stop the test for 600 people and move us all to the like nice little classrooms that they had on reserve? Obviously not. It can't happen. So my complaint wouldn't have been met with anything at the time, which is what I thought at the time, because it did, uh, it did cross my mind to raise my hand and say, what are you doing? But then I realized they can't like they can't come back with anything constructive. Yeah. And furthermore, if you raise your hand and get a proctor over, it's not like the listening stops. So then you're fully giving up on it because you're going to miss a stretch of questions as you're trying to explain yourself to this proctor. So I thought like, well, I'll just try to figure it out, try to soldier through. And it was all for naught. It was nothing. It was a bad section. And the JLPT didn't do it right. And so uh, all of this was explained to them by my wife in native Japanese and their constant refrain was, we just have a blanket, no refund policy, and we will pass along your comments up the ladder. Great. So our, our superiors will hear, hear about it. But ultimately, they wouldn't take ownership of how they messed it up. And so uh, for me, this is pretty big because anyone who's known me over the last three years and my efforts with the JLPT knows that I'm a yearly JLPT taker. 
and I've yeah. taken five of them at this point. And my standard is I take it every single summer and I've dipped into some winters because of scheduling and stuff, but it's every summer until I die or pass the one. <laughs> that was my lifetime plan. So they had probably another 40 JLPTs they were going to get out of me because I'm never going to pass the one, Yeah, I but say, I would have taken a, it. You got a long time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I would never pass the one, but I was locked into it. Like it was my monomaniacal obsession gotcha. to keep doing it every summer and they would have gotten 40 more fees out of me. Uh, but because they couldn't acknowledge that they did such a poor job, I lost trust in the organization and their ability to put on a good test and until they pay me the money back and take ownership for how they messed up then i can't take it again i just can't take it why would i go take something that has been proven to me to be unreliable in that way so i am officially like you were saying uh, you know, I just took the JLPT for the last time. Yeah. Uh, when you were talking about the five, I'm done with the JLPT. It's off my list now. It's not something that I'm concerned about. It's um, it's not fully a scam because I they do it correctly sometimes. But my problem is I can't differentiate between when it's going to be a good version of the test and when they're going to mess it up drastically. Right. So. The JLPT is about half a scam to me at this point. I think that um, they don't have a good reputation as far as I'm concerned, and I wouldn't send them my money. I wouldn't trust them to administer a fair test. And uh, I will recommend this to anyone for the rest of my life that I talk to about the JLPT with, and I will never take it again until they contact me and say, no, you were right. Here's your money back, or we're going to pay for you on the next one. We admit it. If they do that, I'll switch. But it's their policy not to do that. So I've got a lifetime of bad-mouthing them, I guess, ahead of me. Yeah, yeah. So look forward to that segment going weekly. Yeah, <laughs> weekly. <laughs> We've got an anti-sponsorship here, and it's the JLPT. No, Please I, do not send them your money. I've said this before. It's just It comes down to a lack of competition for them and their ability to not need to change anything. Yeah. Like, they just have this shitty test that they have deemed is, is the way that things should be done, uh, regardless of how the test takers view it or even do on it. It's, and then even afterwards, it's like they don't care because they don't show you any of the answers that you got wrong and ways that you can improve. So their goal is not to actually produce Japanese speakers. It is just to get your money. Yeah, I um, have come around to that opinion uh, you said that when we talked about it the first time that uh, it is a lack of competition. Mm. I had never really considered that before. But yeah, I, I think competition would be necessary. And there would have to be some like honest way to register complaints with them. And I think right. a lot of what they're skating by on, which I've, we talked about at the time, is that they're administering the test to kids who are probably, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, and they don't have an expectation for what a good test is. Right. And they're just sort of shunted into the test by whatever program they've signed up to join to come to Japan in the first place. And part yeah. of that program is, oh, take the JLPT and try to pass it, and then you can move up a class or whatever it is. Yeah. And so it's this necessary hurdle that everyone has to get over in their shoes, not for us. We're just sort of doing it to gauge progress. But for those kids, it's a necessary component of their, like, you know, the progress of their education. And then they don't speak Japanese either. 
and so you're saying like call this number and complain like uh and no one's gonna do that for several reasons and so they've kind of isolated themselves in that they're the only test and they've isolated themselves from criticism and it's really i think that can only lead to an erosion of the quality of what they produce in the end and uh that was evident to me in this last time like it had never been before and so i'm off it yeah they're dead to me now yeah i think from my first experience just seeing their lack of concern for how anybody does in the test or whether they pass or fail i'm never doing it again yeah and uh i should say that i'm open to it if they like somehow reach out to me and actually apologize and reimburse for a poor test and admit it then uh, i'll be like yeah cool and but that's just about like i don't know the massive company that's beyond reproach like reaching down and say oh yeah we were overcharging you here's your money back on that it's just it's not gonna work out or like apple saying like oh yeah we did program our phones to fail sorry and you know it doesn't come from them they're never the ones to to instigate that sort of thing right so um all i can do is encourage everyone to just avoid the jlpt at all costs until they like um like buck their ideas up a little bit well don't hold your breath yeah and also don't hold your breath well on that note maybe we can move on to something a little bit lighter like yes sir dad jokes oh my goodness yes let's okay i hear you have another uh diy dad joke that you'd like to try out <laughs> yeah this is uh i made this one by myself at home <laughs> Um, out of spare parts uh, that I gathered learning Japanese. Okay, so again, there's a few moving parts here, and I'm going to have to ask it in English, and then the answer is Japanese. Okay. This is surefire success for a joke. This is how you do it. Um, okay. What did the chicken say when he found some moss? I have no idea. Koke <laughs> koko! Anybody? I mean... If it's funny in the way that you say it, I've got no idea why. That's half the battle. So, koke is moss. And koko means here. Here's the moss. Koke koko. And koke koko is Japanese for cockadoodle-doo. It's what roosters (laughs) shout out at dawn. They say koke koko. So, what did the chicken say when he found some moss? He said, koke koko, you're welcome. Ladies and gentlemen. Nice. All right, that's my dad joke. Nice. What do you got, is, Mark? Uh, I just learned this today, but that is the perfect oyaji gag. <laughs> yeah, oyaji gagu. <laughs> Old man so, joke. Well done. Exactly. Well done. Thank you, sir. Mine are a little easier to understand. Okay, good. <laughs> what an underhanded slam <laughs> of my perfectly good dad joke. Okay. It's I, not an underhanded that. slam of your joke, but of my Japanese ability. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> Uh, okay. How do you make seven even? How do you make seven even? You remove the S. Damn it. That was too easy. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. That was real time. Everybody don't edit that mark. Don't put like a big pause in there. I got it straight away. (laughs) Okay. Nailed Uh, it. Okay. Next one. This one's seasonal. Oh, good. What do you call it when a snowman throws a tantrum? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. Uh, no idea. What is it? A meltdown. Go! <laughs> Wonderful. That's nice. good stuff. Okay, <laughs> I, got all that's... I got a couple that's more. Great. But these are, all right. these are dated, or at least this one's dated. So 
we'll see how this goes. All right. I got carded at a liquor store, and my Blockbuster card accidentally fell out. What did the cashier say? Uh, block busted? I don't know. What did he say? Never mind, sir. You're old enough. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like on two fronts, like, when did you get carded at a liquor store? And then secondly, <laughs> Blockbuster? Yikes. Yeah, so. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay, last one. What did one hat say to the other? Uh, no idea. What did one hat say to the other? Stay here. I'm going on ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, we're done. <laughs> very, very well done. Dad jokes there. Um, yeah. Share your own dad jokes with us on Twitter, please. Yeah, if you have better dad jokes, please let us know, because otherwise these are just going to keep coming. <laughs> it's up to you to stop this, <laughs> audience members. Uh, thank you for listening today. We hope this week's episode was, again, informative and interesting. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please reach out to us on Twitter at jpopspodcast or by email at info at Um My closing today is that... Um, I'm sorry to go out on a negative note like this, but I am JLP teed off right now. Ooh. Ooh. Furious. Take it easy, everybody. Later. Later.